Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Being here this morning, hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs 29, and I want to read a few verses, a few verses of scripture, starting with verse number 15. And let me preface this by saying that the setting of scripture that I'm reading to you, uh, it's not necessarily going to be about what you think it's going to be about, okay? Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, going through some long uh, dissertation this morning about how we need to discipline our children, although that has its proper place and time, but that's not, that's not this morning, okay? Proverbs 29 and verse 15, the Bible says, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. When the wicked, someone's already getting on the discipline train here. When the wicked are multiplied, was that my mom? When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increaseth but the righteous shall see their fall correct thy son and he shall give thee rest yea he shall give delight unto thy soul where there is in verse number 18 is is greatly uh, many times miscued and misinterpreted where there is no vision the people perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he he that keepeth the law, happy is, is he. Amen. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Amen. That he would help us this morning. Father, I need you today. God, we're grateful, Lord, for the assembling of your people. We're grateful, Lord, for the songs of Zion that we have, Lord, heard in this place this morning and participated in. I pray, O oh Lord, you would help our minds now and our hearts and our understanding. Help me, O oh God, let there be clarity in my mind and clarity, Lord Jesus, in my speech. I pray, O oh Lord, today as we would share from your word, this word that provides direction and guidance and instruction, Lord, for our lives. It's profitable for all those things. God, I pray today, God, from pulpit to pew, pew to pulpit. God, help us just to lean in, Lord, to your spirit. Lord, and ask, God, of what you would desire of us in this place. And we'll praise you and thank you in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And can everybody say amen? So be it this morning. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Among the varied themes of the book of Proverbs, a common focus throughout the scriptures, and it isn't necessarily that they are all grouped together in one place in the book of Proverbs, and that is it, it concentrates on this theme or this thread of the parent-child relationship. Uh, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, gives us uh, some instruction on the high and the, the how and the why and the where uh, to incorporate the rod. And uh, listen, I am not talking about this, but just stay with me. Uh, to incorporate the rod of discipline as a tool for our children and rearing our children. If I may just pluck a few of those verses from Scripture to illustrate how much he focused on that. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 13, uh, withhold not correction from the child. 
For if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. The King James is very liberal in its language there. Uh, Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs 22, 15, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 13, 24 says, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That's a lot. <laughs> Proverbs 19, verse 18 says, chasten thy son while there is hope. Let not thy soul spare for his crying. You could buy some earplugs if you got to. Proverbs 10 and verse 13, In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod, and it tells us the where, is for the back of him that is void of understanding. And so again and again in the book of Proverbs, he underscores the necessity of the rod that should be used for the child and the correction of the child. But in our setting of scripture today in verse 15, Solomon particularly purposely denotes that it is the rod and reproof that gives wisdom unto the child. The rod being the physical aspect of correction. Solomon, though, pointing out and coupling very closely with that, he didn't want anybody, though, to underestimate or overlook the verbal component of correction. He said because it's not one or the other that gives wisdom, but it is both of these coupled together, the rod and reproof that gives wisdom. And just this morning, if we can just wipe away of all the negative connotations, if you will, of the correction fact of all this. Wipe away all the the, the connotations of correction. If we can boil it down to this, and if you'll just listen to me here right now. The welfare of the child is dependent upon an experience and an instruction. Someone say an experience. Someone say instruction. The Bible continues to tell us, basically Solomon says, then a child that is void of experience, the rod, or instruction, the reproof. He says it's termed a child that is left to himself. It is a child that is unbridled, a child that is without restraint, a child that is a undisciplined child, Uh, That word left to himself was used of animals that were allowed to run free, pasturing without any hindrances, wandering at liberty. And though there may be a little sense of joyfulness that is attributed there, there is also imminent danger there when you don't have a voice of guidance when you don't have a voice of direction. I I ask you this morning, is what is there left to itself that comes to any good? What is land without some enclosures or cultivation? It turns into a wilderness. And a child without experience and instruction, the Bible says is a shame and a disgrace, and it particularly says to its mother. Because a child or an animal that is left to itself will conduct itself in such a way that is natural or according to nature, if you will. The animal will run wild. 
The child will have a propensity to wickedness. We were born into iniquity. Sin did our mother do this. We will have a propensity to evil, a propensity to sin, a propensity to wickedness. And capitalizing off these facts, Solomon informs us that whenever we, even if you will, are left to ourselves, society, people are left to themselves, they will just do what it is in their nature to do, evil and wicked and horrible things. And as the wicked people increase, he says the transgressions increase. You can just look in our scripture setting. And so he admonishes Everyone, once again, he says, correct thy son. Correct your children. Afford him an experience and afford him an instruction and he'll give you rest. He'll bring you delight. But he must have the experience and he must have the instruction. Someone say amen. Solomon is leading us through here. He's making some very subtle comparisons in these verses. Amen. And even some that are after that concerning servants, a experience and a word of instruction. He's switching back and forth starting in verse number 15 between what is done in the home and what is also done in society among the people. And he explains to us, he's bringing us through the waters and explaining to us that a unrestrained home will gender an unrestrained society. Uh, a home without the experience and a home without the instruction will birth a society without the experience and without the instruction. A disciplined home will render a disciplined society. It will help contribute to the welfare of society. Amen. And so what he's saying is this. He's saying those basic building blocks of society, which is the home. He said the experience and the instruction that works for the home works for society society not only just for society but it works for the church it works for the people it works for humanity all in all I read in scripture in the Acts chapter 2 when the multitude of the people were there that they identified their plight in life with the question that they addressed Peter with and they asked him what shall we do a mass of people had gathered at Jerusalem through the feast of Pentecost with their societal and the religious allegiances but they still lacked a sense of direction they needed some guidance what are we going to do it was the first question that Jesus God asked Adam in the garden he wanted he wasn't needing the answer for him to have knowledge but he wanted Adam to understand something Adam to think about something. He said, where art thou? What are you talking about? Where denotes location? Where denotes direction? God was asking him, where are you going? Where are you at? Because we as a people, as a church, as a society, we need not only an experience, but we also need some instruction. Amen. As a matter of fact, whenever Hagar, the handmaiden of Sarah, amen, left before she was appointed by Sarah to leave, but she was already having a, a downcast nose from Sarah toward her because of the child Ishmael that she had bore. And she feeling that, she was not yet appointed to leave, but she left of her own accord. And you know what the angel of the Lord, God is always after runaways because you know what the angel of the Lord asked Hagar? He said, where are you? 
you coming from and where are you going? Yeah, I sense that you need a little direction in your life. I sense you need a little clue in your life. You need a little guidance in your life. We've not been left without it, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says in Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, Jeremiah attests to the fact, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. In other words, man left to himself without guidance or instruction or experience is a lost man. A directionless man. He goes on and says, it is in, not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Man, in other words, and we take this on a physical plane and on a spiritual plane, but man needs directions. Men need directions. Men need guidance. I like what the New American Standard Bible says in Proverbs. He says, where there is no guidance, the people fail. Hey man, Solomon was just telling, you need more than an experience. You also need some guidance. You need more than just an experience. You also need some direction. Because if you're left to yourself without one or the other, it will be a complex, chaotic situation. So would say amen. One of the reasons why in the New Testament scripture that God many times compares you and I to sheep is because sheep have no sense of direction. And that's not talking down to us. That's just talking about our nature. We have no sense of direction apart from the shepherd and apart from the shepherd's voice. The sheep without the voice of their shepherd are lost sheep, aimless wandering sheep, sheep with no direction, sheep going where they want to at their own discretion. Many times life-threatening directions and circumstances because they need the voice of instruction in their life. And amid these scriptures about the basis of child rearing, how it must incorporate an experience and instruction, comes verse 18. Related to the people, whether church or unchurched, related to the people in general, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This has been largely people have played on the words vision and perish in this scripture and have taken this really out of context and out of its true meaning because the true meaning of the passage from the original manuscript is this. Where there isn't the written and preached word, where there is no revelation, where no prophecy of the will of God is made through an agent, an expounder, an interpreter, a leader who has direction from God, the people will cast off restraint or become ungovernable and cannot be reined in. They will be directionless. In other words, where there is not the preaching of God's word, there will be a directionless people. Where there is not the utterance of God's word, 
There'll be people aimlessly wandering with no sense of goal or ambition or target. I like what Henry Blackley said. He said, the world operates on vision. He said, but God's people live by revelation because a vision, you just, it's a forecast of something in the future. It's a goal out there. It's something that's never been done before, but a revelation is nothing more but an unveiling, an unfolding of a concrete, sure, stable principle who has its origins all the way back with the ancient of days, God. It's that is if we do not have that, we'll be aimless. We'll be wondering. We'll be lost. We'll be somewhere where we need not to be because we need in this life not just in an experience, we need instruction. Someone say amen. Scripture bears it out. Time and time again, one of the darkest times in the history of the nation of Israel had been when the Bible says there was no open vision. The Bible says the prophet Samuel is coming into the room of Eli, into the undergirding and grooming of Eli in 1 Samuel 3 and 1. And the child, the Bible says, the Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious, everybody say precious. In those days, there was no open vision. The word vision here is the same word used for vision in our scripture setting. Although this is the first time in 1 Samuel 3, 1 that that Hebrew word is translated vision here in the scripture. And he says the word was precious because there was no open revelation. There was no open prophetic proclamation of God's word in this there was there was the failing of a messenger to utter God's word and so it was precious it's kind of like being lost and just really needing a compass it's kind of like driving along the road and can't wait till you see the next sign that really tells you where you're at it's like searching. It's like being broke down on the side of the road and have to walk in either direction to find a mile marker. So you can tell somebody where you're at. Someone say amen. Historically, amen, how things were written historically. First Samuel that I read just to you immediately follows the book of Judges. And it's in this that we really see a cause and we see an effect. Saul has passed the scene, King Saul. David has passed. Solomon has passed. There is no king in Israel. It is the time of the judges in the judges. They're rising one after the other to bring a word of guidance, to bring a word of instruction, to get God's people back in the place, in the path that they needed to be. And it's after the time of the judgments, judges where the final verse of that book read, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That's what the scripture speaks. That's the effect. That's the effect, but the cause was related to us in 1 Samuel. Because 
because there was no open vision. There was not a proclamation of his word. There was not a revelatory voice that was saying, here's the path, walk therein. This is where you need to walk. This is where you need to go as a result of it. They did everything that was, they were unrestrained. They were ungoverned. They will, they were, if you will, lost. Someone say amen. Because when we speak about the word of prophecy, the word of prophecy, prophecy just doesn't fall under the idea of something that's being foretold in the future. Many times prophecy in God's word was an instructional word for the present. We need an experience, but don't forget the instruction that comes from the preached word of God. Let me tell you today, in this generation and society, the importance of preaching has fell on hard times. We're whittled down on many platforms to one service. It even happens even among the apostolic Pentecostal ranks down to one service where the scripture will be declared. And in that moment, many times limited to 15 or 20 minutes. And I understand there's places for all this, but it being overly flavored with just supposed enhancing videos and graphics. The word of God has followed, followed, fell on hard times. And every other ministry that we may have got to be geared in such a way that it can relate to people and I understand the importance of it relating to people and meeting them where they are but listen the problem with this is if we continue to relate with them where they are they may remain where they are there still has to be a preacher there still has to be the voice of somebody it's going to stand in the pulpit with the revelatory word of God and proclaim it because on the home front and on the society front, we need an experience, and I'm happy for that, but we also need a word of instruction. We cannot improve upon this book right here. We cannot improve on this book right here. There's not enough videos in HD format that can improve on the word of God right here. There's no attitude that can improve on this. There's no preservative that can improve on this. The home and the family and the church and society still need experience, but they still need this unadulterated, unaltered word of God. Preachings fell on hard times. I go back and I think how the children of Israel received manna from heaven and the Bible tells us, amen, as it fell and whenever it fell, that the children of Israel began to attempt with many different vices to improve upon the manna, the bread that fell from heaven. And in doing so, they altered its taste from being sweet as honey to the distaste of oil. I ask you today, how can you improve on something that fell from heaven? 
How can you improve on something that fell from heaven? How can you improve something that's been designed and spoken by God? How can you improve on the word of God when the writer of Hebrews said that the worlds were framed by the word of God? How can you improve on that? How can you increase its value? It's necessary. It's necessary for us as the children of God in the world an experience and an instruction. Still must be a proclaimer. Still must be a preacher. If God seen fit in New Testament that He spoke very plainly in the Word of God, that He would buy, He said it pleased God. Someone say it pleased Him. 1 Corinthians 1.21 It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. When the salvation of humanity leans on the instruction for salvation. I don't want to be tampering. I don't want to try to be improving upon Honey, there is no factory recalls on this. There's not going to be a revision to update this. It was good enough when it first was established and it's good enough now. We don't have to improve upon it. Men and people's lives are still changed by the instruction and the proclamation of the revelatory word of God. He chose this so that people might be saved. Second Samuel 3.16. Scripture says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word of God is profitable for instruction, guidance, offering Directions, offering directions. Song that years ago, Bishop, if I'm not mistaken, even maybe Uncle Fred used to sing was, I'm using my Bible for a roadmap. He gives guidance. He gives direction. Now listen to me. In so much... In 2 Peter, Sister McGee, in verse, chapter 1 and verse number 17, allow me to read this. I don't want to skirt the experience side, but Solomon even threw in the reproof or the instruction side because there had been a lot of weight already cast on the experience side. If we don't watch it, we can capitalize on our experience and lose direction. People get their emotions and feelings wrapped up in their experience. And been led down roads that should have never been led down because they didn't have the other side of the seesaw in their instruction. He says, Peter speaking in verse 17, and he received, I guess don't you have to carry around your Bible anymore. You got it on the screen, right? 
Just want to make sure it's right up there. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Peter's referring to a past act here. And his voice which came from heaven he we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. What's, what's being alluded to her here, the old past time, he's speaking about he, James and John, that were that inner circle of three that were allowed to go up the mount of transfiguration. And upon that mount there seen Elijah and Moses. Jesus spoke to them. And he was transfigured, the scripture says, before their very eyes. And the voice from heaven did speak on how that was his son. And, and here, I mean, here is Moses and here is, here is Elijah. And, and Peter's saying, you know, man, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We're going to make three tabernacles. We're going to make one for Elijah and one for Moses. And, and one for, we're going to make one for you. And man, it's just good for us to be here. And those three had that experience. And they come down from the mount with that experience. But Peter goes on in verse 19 in reflection on the experience and says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto the light that shineth in a dark place. Because a light in a dark place is going to give you some guidance. Going to give you some direction until the day dawn and the day star rise in your heart. You know what Peter was saying? He said, I remember the transfiguration experience. I remember overtaken by that. Wanting to make tabernacles for all. The, I remember seeing the Lord transfigure. That was a great, 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 great experience. But I can't just lean on my experience in and of itself. We have a more sure word of prophecy. The word of God. The instructional word. The directive word. That's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I'm not knocking my experience, but I need my experience coupled with some instruction. Someone say yes. Because if you lose the prophetic voice, if you lose the instruction, it's not well. Whenever Asa assumed the throne, the kingdom was not well. The Bible says that there was no peace to him that went in or out of the city. There was no peace among the people. That there were great vexations upon the people. Great vexations upon the countries and the nations. Nation was destroying nation and city was destroying city. There was a lot of adversity whenever Asa came to the throne. But the reason why the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 15.3 is because now for a long season, Israel had been without the true God, without a teaching priest, without law. What's happened? Don't you have your Red Sea experience to depend upon? Don't you have your manna fallen in the wilderness to depend upon experience? 
Don't you have the water that flowed from the rock experience to depend upon? Yes, but without an experience and an instruction, God's people will be falling. They'll be aimless. They'll be wondering. There'll be no peace. There'll be adversity. There'll be destruction. We must have instruction. They had no direction because they were without God, without a teaching priest, and without the law. Still had their experience. They could, they could go back in the archive of their mind and bring that up again, but they were without. They were without direction. I'm starting to sweat, or let me rephrase that. I'm continuing to sweat. Charlie Hinch. Charlie Hinch was almost 50 years old. He was a large, big, strapping fella, six feet tall. He could bench 315 pounds. And in the recent years of his life, he had went on different excursions. He had run with the bulls in Spain. He canoed through the boundary waters of Minnesota. He had hiked the Sierra backcountry in California with a group of friends. Just enthusiasts, you know, to go and just try to do the unthinkable. But he decided to take a solo hike through the Sierra Nevada mountain ranges, Brother DePriest going to be a five-day hike across a very imposing mountain range and during his hiking in this solo event he chronicled in a personal diary the experiences of his adventure and what took place midway through his trip he went along now his friends helped Prepare for it. This is the path you need to take. This is where you should go. This is what should be done. But midway through his trip, a winter storm swept into that mountainous range and dumped snow on the region where he had been located. The wind increased. 50 mile per hour wind gusts had swept across that region and terrain of the mountains. Two foot snowdrifts were piling up against his tent that he would sleep in at night. And the winds were so strong that he, he, he writes and records that they were snapping trees with trunks eight feet in diameter. And so he traveled... After waiting one day with much difficulty, all the paths uh, that he should follow or even markers that he would have had are now covered with snow. And having continued along the ridge, he find himself, he found himself, he, he was trying to chart his way and he, he, he made a wrong turn and fell from a precipice and landed on another cliff below him. And he lost his walking stick in that event, lost his map, he lost his glasses, they were gone. And his wrist was just writhing in pain uh, probably no doubt broken and in the end it really was and, and he made a few attempts to, to get up but he was in so much pain and fell a couple more times on the slippery surface of the snow and the ice that was underneath him each time just adding with more injury to his wrist and, and to his body and it's only then that he soon realized with the, the visibility very low that he was on a sheer cliff that dropped several hundred feet to the valley floor life 
and death was right here. He was stranded out there. That was just supposed to be a five-day hike. He was stranded out there by himself. He wasn't on the right path. He was injured and he was hurt. And after a week had passed from the very beginning of this journey, and having already missed the sound of a helicopter, no doubt, that was there to rescue him, missing that helicopter that day. Charlie, that night, when he wrote in his journal, he wrote these words. He says, I want the nightmare to end. He said, I brought along a cheap compass, and I'm paying for it with my We need a word of instruction. We need a true, tried, expensive compass. Thank God for my experience, but I can't go into this journey called life and even depend upon a cheapened method, a cheapened voice, a cheapened truth than what's right here because in doing so, I might find my life threatened. I might find myself injured. I might find myself hurt. I might find myself lost. I might find myself stranded. I'm here to tell somebody, I wonder how many times since that day that whenever he's went on another adventure, he was gonna take the best of the best compass that he had because more than anything in that trip, you know what? he needed there's going to be storms there's going to be adversity but what he needed was direction what he needed was guidance what he needed was something to follow the injury came because he got off the path but he was relying on a cheap compass Bible says in the, you know me, here's scripture, you know, let's go. Matthew 9, 36. The Bible says, but when he, speaking of Jesus, saw the multitudes that he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as a sheep having no shepherd. Jesus had already, look at the verses prior and the chapters prior. He's already healed the sick. He has already cast out those that were possessed with demons. But the Bible plainly indicates that the moving of his heart with compassion was not when he's seen another sick person, not when he's seen another person that was possessed with demons, but whenever he's seen the people that were scattered and had no direction because the voice of their shepherd was not among them. He witnessed the people a void of direction and the heart of the Savior went, ah, they need a word. They need some guidance. The birth of the church in Acts 2, initiated by 120 being filled with the Holy Ghost, undoubtedly resulting from seven to ten day prayer meeting. But the 3,000 that was added to the 120 by the day's end 
resulted from the prophetic preaching of a divine word. Whew. 120 came into being by the experience of a prayer meeting, but 3,000 because someone listened to a word of instruction. Peter expends his energies for about 23 verses preaching and proclaiming and giving guidance and giving direction and the end result 3,000 are added to the church because they didn't just going to get an experience they were going to get some instruction the Bible says in 1 Samuel 15 26 so Samuel was speaking to Saul Saul was Israel's first king the Bible says that he stood head and shoulders among all of them. This is what the people wanted. This is what the people desired. And Samuel said unto Saul, he said, I will not return with thee. Saul was trying to get Samuel, turn with me now and let's worship together. He understood he had already made some mistakes. He had already flubbed up. He says, turn now. And, and Saul and Samuel say, no, I will not return with thee. Listen now. He says, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. You've rejected the you've re rejected guidance. You've rejected instruction. Now listen to me. The Bible follows that up in the Chronicles, the recordings of the events that have happened. Chronicles 10, 13. So Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not. Look now, and also, for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit. Him going to the witch of Endor to inquire of it. And inquire not of the Lord. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom to David his son. What's the scripture saying? Now listen what it says. He's saying Saul died for his transgression. Listen to me. For basically rejecting the word of God. But then trying to get guidance from a cheap compass. He said it wasn't just the rejection of God's word, but also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit. <laughs> and just listen, didn't it was he didn't just not listen to the instruction, but he tried to substitute the instruction for something. That was a whole lot more cheap than the original. We need a propagation of the word today. Our churches need a preaching of the word. Our Sunday school classes need a preaching of the word, a teaching of the word. Our Friday night fusions got to have the propagation in the corporation of the word. If you'll remember reading in the life of a king by the name of Josiah, he came back, he's repairing the temple, things are in disarray. And the Bible says Hilkiah the high priest and, and Shaphan the scribe came to the king one day. Amen, Josiah. And you know what they told him? Things are in disarray, but jo Josiah's trying to get things back to the way that they needed be they said hey king we found the word of the Lord we found the word of the Lord 
we found the book of God, Josiah just cancels everything and says, let's stop. Read the word of God. Read the word of God. And as they begin to read the word of God, it brought some direction. It brought some guidance to a nation and to a people. And there was a great revival that birthed out of that moment and spared Judah, amen, from judgment. Why? Because somebody got back to instruction. Somebody got back to the word. They had experiences of time past, but they needed a prophetic voice of God in their hour. I'm going too long, maybe. I don't know. We'll split straws over it. Go on and stand with me, and I'll close and be mindful of you, us. Amos says in his recording, the Lord says that there's coming a day that there will be a famine. And they had witnessed multitude of famines in the land of Israel. He says, but it's not going to be a famine of bread. It's not going to be a famine of water, which would even be worse than a famine of bread. He said, but there's going to become a famine that's more grievous than bread, more grievous than a famine of water. He said, it'll be a famine of hearing the word of God. And he says, in that day, people will wander from sea to sea. From north even to west to south to even east. Why are they wondering, Brother McGee? Because they're without a compass. And they're going to try to seek out that word, but they're not going to be able to find it. This wasn't just God fancying himself of that which is to take place. It's just not God just arbitrarily withdrawing himself. Amos had already noted in chapter 2, amen, but the people were ordering for the prophets not to preach anymore. That the people were saying, keep, keep silent, prophet. Keep silent, preacher. Just keep silent. He had already spoke to him in chapter 5 that, that it said the people would abhor those who spoke truth. God just wasn't arbitrarily just removing the voice. He was just meeting their wish. Keep quiet. We want to hear the word of truth. And the most grievous famine of all time, a famine of God's word, would fall upon the people. A hearing of God's word. Many times hearing, hearing the word of God signifies the preaching of the word of God because you won't hear what's not preached. You won't hear what is not preached. There'll be a famine. You know what's interesting? There'll be a day. It'll happen. It'll happen just as the scripture unfolded. Experience, yes. And I'm thankful for my Pentecostal experience. I'm thankful for being born again of the water and the spirit. That's great, tremendous. But I can't just secure life going in that path without a consistent word of guidance and instruction in my life. If people before approached me and said, well, you know, we were here, we were there. Even 
remember one just talking about Amway meetings. Everybody remember Amway, the big Amway crazy went through. Amway means went through. I tell you what, we felt the spirit of God there. We really experienced something there. Well, my question is, though, what did you hear? Because whenever Isaac's own son, Jacob, entered into his daddy, he felt like Esau. He smelled like Esau. The venison, which was a goat, tasted like Esau. But the voice, the voice was the voice of Jacob. That feels like him. It sounds like him. It smells like him. This kind of tastes like it. That's all experience. But what are you hearing? What, what? What, what, what are you hearing? Here's how it works, folks. Listen to me. Here's how it works. The first question God poses to man, where art thou in Genesis? The first question of wise men in Matthew, where is he? Speaking of the Christ child. God's asking about your direction to begin with. And when you're done and through, you realize you are directionless, and so you're searching for Him. You're searching for Him. Let's bow our heads in this place this morning. Hallelujah. Just bow our heads in this place. Ladies and gentlemen, we need the wisdom that's given to a child is due to an experience into an instruction the wisdom that's given to a society the wisdom that's given to a servant a wisdom that's given to a church a grouping of people it's found not just in one or the other but in both in both congruently we need an experience and we need instruction we need a preaching of God's word we need a reading of that written word because it governs our lives it gives us an anchor point it's not a cheap compass you don't have to improve upon this you don't have to make this better it's good just as it stands it is good it's right it's pure amen it's sure hallelujah thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day